Thank you for joining me in another episode of Jane Transit. We are at episode four of our COVID confessions one year later. And this episode, we feature Ayana Parham, who's an executive coach, specifically uh, focusing on emotional intelligence. And we talked to her about what got her into gear after she decided that enough was enough watching others fail upward. I hope you enjoy, and I'll see you on the other side. Hey, Ayana, how's it going? Hey, what's going on? I'm doing all right. Taking in the sunset. What you doing? Well, I'm on this uh, laptop, sitting on my deck as my child's in the background, screaming his head off. But, you know, (laughs) (laughs) life of a toddler parent. Right, parent out there, I do not feel bad for anybody at this point. My lord, that means <laughs> you had a full day today. Oh, yeah. I mean, added to everything else that we have going on, right? right. Pandemic, getting back to work, kids, family. Yeah, it's, it's a bunch of fully lying, in, in my opinion. I just want to run away and never come back. <laughs> <laughs> I got a funny feeling you have a plan for that already anyway. Yep, it's coming. It's definitely coming. There's a go bag waiting. I'm just a yacht and a plane, so my plan is working. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you for joining me this evening. Um, And before we get started, I'd love it if you can introduce yourself to the J in Transit audience. My name is Ayana Brody Parham, and I'm the CEO and founder of Parham and Associates. We are an executive coaching firm that specializes in emotional intelligence. Uh, We ended up predominantly being a minority firm that really focuses on inspiring leaders of color and how we kind of came to be over the last year and some change has been really formed from my own personal uh, perceived failures at my nine to five and corporate company. And long story short, we'll kind of get into that story a little bit later, is that I realized that my story is very similar to a lot of other people's. And from that, um, I kind of birthed this firm, realizing that I want more people of color, not just women and men and non-binary individuals, but I wanted to see minority of thought, not just skin. And so this firm was birthed from that. Wow. I am thoroughly impressed. And I would love to hear a little bit more about the experience that led you to this, particularly what you thought was such a failure. Mm. So... I guess, so I've been in the government as a civil servant for about 13 years. And I've realized that I noticed that a lot of men, specifically white men, because I'm going to just keep it real, that white men were failing upward and they were bringing their 10 closest friends. Uh So, of course, kissing the ring, doing the bare minimum, all of that was being rewarded. And when I felt as though it was my time to shine, I put in the time, I did everything that the company told me to do which was, you know, go to all these cross-cultural trainings, do all of these classes, get a mentor, all that stuff. Then they ended up having me do different assessments, writing, interview style. Long story short, um, they pretty much took me through the ringer and then later deemed me unfit to lead by their standards. Mm. So, of course, yeah. So, I mean, it was like a five-point Richter scale, and I ended up having a 2.92 on one of the assessments. And of course, I'm pissed because I'm like, are you serious? Y'all literally took me through the ringer just to tell me that I didn't fit your company standard. So of course, as I'm explaining this story to a bunch of other people come to find out, I'm not the only one. 
there was a lot of minority women and men specifically who've been through that same exact scenario. And I went home one day, pissed off, upset, angry. And I just started writing. I was like, what would it look like if I built a company that was just going to be focused on minorities and getting them to the table? And this was like by any means necessary. Mm-hmm. So it ended up being that one night um, in particular, my son and I, we do Friday night date nights. And he, at the time, he was about one and a half. And we were watching the Minions. And if anyone has seen the Minions, <laughs> which is the cutest little, you know, uh, I think it's uh, animation. It's not even Pixar. It's maybe Universal Studios. They, um, you know, they were the little cute little tater tots that are in denim overalls. Yep. And as we're watching it, I'm watching the um, the villain grew. He is doing by any means necessary. Like it didn't matter that everyone told him that he was a failure. He continued to push. And he continued to persevere through everything throughout the movie. And it was like multiple movies that we watched over and over. And then it just kind of clicked one night. It was like, why can't we be like Gru? So as I sat down and started sketching out continuously, like, what would this look like? How was this firm going to be impactful? How are we going to be intentional? I literally started thinking back to the movie. You know, as everyone else is just seeing this character as a villain, I'm seeing this person as um aggressive assertive like they're doing by any means necessary to get to their goal which was like to capture the moon or something so then i ended up creating an acronym out of watching the movie so grew for my company stood for great leaders rising up wow mm-hmm. and it was all based off of tater tots and overalls and the date night with my son <laughs> well that tater tot <laughs> in the background is definitely <laughs> He's a like, great, I don't care. He's a great leader on the rise because he ain't going to bed. He sure not. He said, you know what? You're going to hear my voice the entire time. He's like, you thought you recorded it? Not tonight. Not, not tonight. tonight. <laughs> a great example of going for what you want no matter what. Exactly. Um, I would love to hear if you ever found out what was that standard that um, you and the folks that you were talking to were being held to? Like, was there a metric? Was there, what was the feedback like? So some of the feedback that I received on behalf of my own stuff compared to others, some was more or less not having enough experience and diversified experience. For myself, I think honestly, it was just petty people that just didn't want to see me get to the next level. And the sad part was that there were people on my boards that looked like me. Mm, which was even a sh- right which was even a shocker it was like sis you see me on the other side of the camera and i'm not saying that every uh minority woman or man should automatically give you a win because it's like all right there's a limited amount of us in this position and right. what i've come to find out over the years has been the actual polar opposite because they're so minimal they're literally trying to keep it like by any means necessary on the reverse aspect right of saying like well there's only a few of us so let's keep it that way versus like hey you want to start having more of diversity of thought, not just skin, but also we're talking about cross-generational thought processes. What's yes. a boomer to a millennial to a wire, even to these, what do they call these little kids now? Pandemic years or something like that? Yeah. Mm, yeah, it's something weird. Like, some. my, yeah, my son's going to be some, some like COVID year. 
whatever the case may be. COVID annual. Yep, exactly. A COVID annual. Like, they grew up with no social skills, a bunch of weirdness. Um, <laughs> but I think the standard was either not being diversified enough in experience or also just simply not having enough tact or professionalism to continue to move up to the next level. That's what they were believing because someone else who may have had totally different experiences were being uh, the judger versus the person myself being the judgee. So I think it's a, it was a bunch of things that kind of tied into it. But overall, it was just like, all right, you didn't want to see me be great. So instead of you getting me a seat at the table, I build a damn house around it. So I was like, right. and next. <laughs> <laughs> so what did, what does, but at the time, what did building the house around it look like? What, what steps did you take? Mm. So I ended up getting certified as a emotional intelligence or emotional quotient assessor and trainer. And because I realized that that was something I really wanted to be really clear about when it came to when people were asking, like, well, what is your niche? I'm like, leadership development. They were like, nope, let's try that again. What do you really want to focus on? I said, you know what? I really want to see how people are interacting with each other and how that comes off. And realizing that in whatever business you're in, finance, government, law enforcement, military, every job is a people industry. Mm-hmm. And you can teach anyone the job itself, but what I can't teach is people being dicks. I can't teach you not to be an asshole. I can't literally hire you knowing that you have like the worst reputation and everyone hates you, but you can do the job, you know, like the best of them. Like those are the people that I want to weed out so I can start grooming those who are extremely fundamentally whole, right? So one of the biggest things that we have always learned is that you're coming as a whole person. But also what comes with that is you to have your own critical eye of yourself of realizing that there's some things that you know you need to work on. Mm. And that all falls down to that emotional intelligence. And I know right now that's kind of like a hot buzzword, you know, like fusing and cross collaboration and synergy. All of the buzzwords, right? But what does that actually mean? Yeah, what does it mean? (laughs) Right. So all emotional intelligence is how am I connecting with you? Am I being intentional? Am I literally having this relationship because I'm using you for whatever I need you for? Or am I actually caring about what Jay wants to do? I really want to know about her. What motivates her? Not because it's a check. What really is going to take her to next level? Like that's a true sign of leadership to be able to say, you know what, in about five or six years, I better not see you here and be okay with telling your person that. And they'd be like, well, I really love this job. I better not see you here in five years. You need to be doing something else and moving on to being something else because that's going to really evolve this person. You want to make sure that you can have someone work out of a job. Right. So you want people to be able to fight over you, not the other like, damn, I can't get rid of this girl. She's horrible. He's like, well, I don't know what to tell you, Swag. So that's <laughs> so that's kind of the process of really figuring out what did I really want to work on with people? What did I start learning? And then even over those 13 years of watching the one side of people filling up where I just started studying people and behavior. And it wasn't because I was in grad school at the time, but I was just literally looking at people and how they interacted with each other. You know, so trying to take a little bit of this and, uh, and leaving out a lot of that or just watching how managers dealt with certain leaders or how leaders dealt with subordinates. It was all of that wrapped up in, hmm, 
what if I created a program that literally focused on doing just that? And it was going to be tailored to executives because I knew that for most companies, I knew that for most companies, it was very top down. And it's very rare unless you're in like a private sector or certain NGA firms that you can literally go bottom up. Right. So, you know, so I figured, well, why don't I create something that will make sure that if your top is good, that should trickle down. But in order to do that, you need to start having really crucial and critical conversations with people to say exactly what you're feeling like. Yeah, you're not cutting it, bruh. Well, why am I cutting it? I'm going to show you exactly why it's not cutting it. Look at all these people. What are you noticing? You have a high retention rate, right? Yeah, but I don't know why. I can tell you exactly why. People aren't bought into your vision. They're not bought into this company. And they don't believe anything you're saying because you're full of shit. (laughs) I mean, that is the level of truth that we need. And I do appreciate that you are using unconventional buzzwords, like how leaders are failing up. Tell me how you got to that. (sighs) Mm. So leaders are failing upwards. It was literally just watching people kiss rings, kiss booties. And next thing you know, a year later, they're promoted. But I also realized in that same breath, it was the the mediocre and the um, the the crazies, if you will, that was also volunteering. Because that was the twofold side. It's like, well, how am I getting not these positions? The problem is the people that should not be in positions are volunteering. And because there's no one else that is good or to a, a good standard, I should say, was being selected. So people that you're thinking is of good quality or as my grandmother would say, come from that good cloth. Um, what makes it very difficult is that people are realizing that, okay, because I volunteer, that makes me competent because I'm showing confidence, but that's not the reality. You want people to literally start realizing that they are capable of doing the job, but they can also motivate and lead and be intentional. And that just was not the case for a very long time. Right. So what I am hearing is Mm -hmm. that working hard ain't going to get you to where you're going to be. Working double hard is definitely going to keep you out of the door. And what has been moving this leadership development up until now, hopefully, has been just a matter of a schmooze and knowing who your um, drinking partner was uh, Mm -hmm. the night before. Yep. That I mean, it's sad, but I feel like part of it is that a lot of it is networking. But one thing I hate about networks, especially in like the DMV area, you know, you're networking not because you're really trying to build a net, you're networking because you're trying to pass off cards. You want to know who knows who, so you can get on and slide into the next thing. Like, I hated networking when I first got here, I was like, I'm not doing it. I was like, I don't want to meet people just because I know that I need to have a Rolodex of people I can call on. Like, I literally want to be able to build intentional relationships. And I think you can kind of talk about how we first met. And we just automatically clicked because we knew we were very much in sync to the same values. We knew what we wanted. And we also knew that this is something that we needed to do, not because of each other knowing that we got other plugs and pulls, but we're like, nah, this chick is dope as hell. Why would we not want to keep in touch and make sure that we're going to have each other 
and be a support system and an ally down the line. And whatever comes of it, it just kind of came. But nobody was being manipulative. And that's the problem with networking, especially here. Right, right, Everything right. has alternative motives. I'm like, no, nah, I'm good on that, shorty. Yeah, definitely. The DMV um, is, is, is the, pre- the premier power play city. And it's never really about, you know, right. caring about your families or, or building any type of purposeful relationship in terms of getting to know you as the code word we use before the whole person, um, mm-hmm. but rather as the, who's the person next to the person that's going to walk me into that next door. Right. And it becomes right. very toxic um, because at the end of the day, you start really questioning yourself and questioning, why did you spend a hundred thousand dollars on a law degree when all I had to do was sleep with the Senator? Hello, you better say it. You said it, not me. All right. I did not. By the way, I am the one who spent the $150,000 on the lottery. But look, we might need that in the long run. So we're going to hold on to that because you just never know. It's not going anywhere, honey. It's not going (laughs) You know, these are things that we just have to have as a backup. Yes. So... Um, I'd love to hear your take on how did the failing up actually uh, work through the pandemic, through your observation, um, given that we're not drinking buddies anymore. We're not really interacting unless it's, you know, through a screen or, or the audio waves. Makes it very, um, I guess I keep on saying intentional because I think that's the only word I can really describe in this phase and in this and this moment that you know you're having to make not just phone calls but you're having to be on these zooms and creating a profile and a message as well as being a social media influencer which I think is absolutely that's a whole nother episode that's just asinine but having to really build connections and building a company based off of that and saying, you know what, during a pandemic, I can't necessarily be the drinking buddy. You know, we're going to have to do more um, phone conversations, Zoom conversations, and just, or really just connections like this. So we're having people to kind of stay in line. Having to get on a computer now has become like the standard, the you know, the status quo for most people that have these relationships. But then it also falls back to what are you willing to do? What's the type of work that you're willing to put in to make sure these relationships are fruitful? But they're also fulfilling. Right. And you never want someone to feel like, well, yeah, I'm only hitting you up because I need something. It's like, no, like I'm legit just hitting you up because I'm checking. Like I'm doing welfare checks. What um what what did you say? I said the dog said amen. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) The dog is here for all of it. (laughs) Oh my God. Um so how has this made you stronger as a coach? And what are some of the things you're looking to do now that the world is opening up? Well, I want to get back traveling. Um, and of course, when you're watching any type of social media, you see like all these black travel groups. I'm like, damn, my passport is super dry and ashy. And I need to get her <laughs> open wide and stamped. <laughs> Real quick. <laughs> Real quick. Please. Um, but what has been a really big thing for me is the fact that I really planned in quarters of what my business was going to look like. And I really wanted to make sure that this is going to be impactful. 
that I just didn't want to have a business. And then in six months, it fizz out. And it took me a while. And even after, you know, coming to different coaching classes, I found something that I'm passionate about that I really give a damn about. And knowing that this is something that I can do with my eyes closed, but also I want to do with my eyes closed, if that makes sense. Like there are certain things I want to be able to just sleep and dream about and not feel like it's a tedious job. And I, and I think that the pandemic did that. The pandemic allowed me to be extremely creative. It allowed me to have an avenue to fail and succeed, uh, you know, simultaneously. Right. And also understand, you know, what does this look like if this is to happen again in five years? Mm. You know, you know how to now pivot. You know how to be agile and resilient in the midst of a complete and total shutdown. Like, I will not be surprised if this doesn't reappear in another form in a couple of years. Right. We're back to being shut down. And then everybody else goes back to freaking out. I'd be like, well, <laughs> why y'all freaking out over there? I'm going to just keep on doing this business thing. No big deal. <laughs> I'm going to keep teaching y'all how to really be a really whole person. Exactly. Like, while y'all out here broken, check out here looking like a whole full-blown M&M pack. Okay. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> oh, my. So, do you want to, like, kind of tell the audience, like, how we met and how we kind of came to be and what that means for us? Yes. So, um, Ayana and I met... Uh, during a coaching class and we were probably the two women of color in a leadership development course um or was it the base was it the foundations course because we were both certified and, and getting further certified um in coaching whether it's executive coaching career coaching life coaching and so the the school that we went into um or the program we used excuse me um it's pretty well known, but it, it doesn't really attract uh, pe- leaders that look like us, <laughs> people mm-hmm. who are actually interested in in really making a difference in the lives of our community. And so we had a few know-it-alls in the class, and I, our connection came when we, you know, we did the typical little side text. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> Kikiing on one of the folks. Come to find out, um, when it was time to submit our business proposals, um, that's when I actually found out that Ayana was in the DMV area in government, and one of my proposals was to target um, and strengthen the leadership skills of um, civil servants as well. So, um, I. I actually was off the cuff. I didn't think that Ayana was going to take me up on it. And I said, hey, we should collaborate. I feel like, you know, you'll do a really good job in this area. And um, she hasn't left me alone since. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You say leave you alone. I say uh, fusing and synergy and all those other buzzwords. (laughs) No, leave me alone is a a joke. But she's... (laughs) She's definitely taken the collaboration to the next level. So um, I'm also uh, about to get certified as an emotional um, intelligence coach and trainer. Um, And but the vision, we are following the leader, um, Ayana, and contributing in different ways. So I would love to hear um, what your plans are for the next year um, as the world is opening up. 
Um, And we are going back to offices and we are going to be forced to interact in different ways, having been away from each other for the last 15, 16 months. I like, I'd slightly dread it because it's funny, right? So for work and business, I have to be extroverted, but everything draws me to the introverted side. I just want to stay home, be comfortable. But what next year would look like, especially for me and my family is that we're going overseas. So this whole year is me focusing on making sure this business will, you know, sustain over the period of two years. So my family and I, we are uh, relocating. We decided we want to go and move to the motherland and go back home to where our roots are. Mm. We'll be moving to Cairo in June of next year. So we have literally 12 months to the day to kind of make sure that we kind of get our house in order both physically, emotionally, mentally, all of that, but also on the business side of the house, what that will also look like is, all right, making sure that our clients are taken care of. And even though, yes, I'll be on totally different time frames, I still plan on doing my coaching, but I also have a team of associates because it's parent and associates. That and associates. Be, yep, the, the associate part will be able to actually help me out where um, they will be able to stand in the gap for me. And that's really what this is all about. And I wanted to be able to have, you know, diversity of skill set as well, not just skin tone. And it just so happens that Jay being one of my actual associates is like perfect because she brings such a unique style of coaching, but also just a skill set that we will have certain people that will need to be coached by her and not me and I'm okay with that right right same thing with another one was it being Sunita saying like okay we want those who are having already instilled um, a company who've already kind of set the playing ground but what does that not look like for the CEOs and the executives and the staff when they're not really sure where to go or even how to properly lead and that's where we come in we start having these conversations we start building out these trains and these programs to say you know what We'll give you six to eight weeks, but we also mean that we want you to do the work. Right. We're going to hold them accountable. And that's what we are supposed to be doing. That's why I know that we're here on this earth to start saying, you know what, folks, if you want to gain access to a seat and it's not just a folding chair or some type of iron brass chair, I need you to be able to sit at this table and articulate confidently what you want, how you can actually make it happen and what you're needing from it. In order to do that, I need to make sure that you completely have all your itch together, point yes. blank, period, at whatever level. So I'm talking about frontline supervisors all the way to like session chiefs, unit chiefs, and even like assistant directors. Right. So for me, I'm like, I can care less about the title because at the end of the day, I will strip you the title and I'm just talking to the person. So yeah, it's great to say, well, I'm talking to CEO X and X, like, okay, but I'm talking to, to Robert. Well, I'm just, <laughs> but I'm talking to Robert. Right. But, but, I'm, but I'm talking to Robert. Because you've identified that that's the root cause of where um, the failing up has begun. Mm -hmm. You have decided to take on the persona of CEO versus Robert. Exactly. Exactly. And that's literally what it is kind of boiling down to. Like, this is the nitty. (laughs) Well, I'm I'm quite excited. Yeah, I'm quite excited for what uh, we have coming up. And before we wrap up, are there any lessons, learns, or tips you want to leave to any aspiring, um, emotionally intelligent leader of the future? For the future, one of the like three biggest 
uh, tips that I would want to instill is make sure that you are self-aware. Like there is 15 competencies that emotional intelligence coaches and even leaders should be really focused on. The first one is being self-aware of how are you being responsive and how are you responding to certain things? Can you identify your triggers? What is going to set you off? Um, I know a lot of times people can automatically say, well, I know my trigger, but in the workplace, can you honestly say, you know what triggers you to the point that you are either completely shifted or you're easily annoyed? Right. Um, Also, how do you deal with stress tolerance? And it's not the regular stress of the world because life happens, but how do you deal with corporate stress tolerance? How are you able to deal with in a leadership position and a future leader's position? How are you able to deal with certain things that could potentially set you off that would normally set you off in just a regular, um, you know, circumstance versus currently now you have new responsibilities. Now people are looking to you for answers. They're looking for guidance. And then also for all those shady people, they're looking for you to fail. So how are you able to deal with certain things that most people on a regular basis would either pop off, kirk off, whatever you want to use the terminology for, but how are you able to make sure that you're not going to show face in the workplace? Like, that's mm-hmm. actually a pretty good title right there. Right. How you going to show face in the workplace? Um, the last and final tip that I have for all of my emotional intelligent and aspiring leaders of color is Make sure that when it's time for you to shine, that you're going to be as bright as can be. And in order to do it, you need to make sure that you are 110% a whole person. Work out those kinks. Figure out what you need to really hone in on. Focus on the strengths and tweak the weaknesses. That's, that's powerful. I really appreciate you sharing um, those gems because I know they cost money on a regular basis. <laughs> I mean, we do offer them 45 minute consultations. I mean, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but that's free. So we're, you know, we're, we're here to help. We're here to make I sure love you it. Got <laughs> Appreciate um, your time. This is awesome. Thank you. And for those who are looking to follow you, where can they find you? So they can find me on Instagram at Hamlet Coach or on all other platforms at Param Intelligence or, uh, paramintelligence.com which is our website you can get all of the information on what we do how we do it and how you can plug in join the group family great well thank you so much Ayana and um, I see the boss baby has finally gone to bed oh praise the lord hallelujah (laughs) you enjoy the rest of your evening (laughs) thank you so much Thank you for joining me. I hope you enjoyed and got some valuable gems from Ayana. If you are looking to follow her, she is Hamle Coach. So that's H-A-M-L-E Coach on Instagram. And I am Jay in Transit, J-I-N-T-R-A-N-S-I-T, also on Instagram. Uh, Don't forget to rate the podcast and definitely tune in for our next episode. Till next time.